Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 20th episode of OT Leadership Live. My name is Michael Lopez, and I will be co-facilitating our conversation this evening with my colleague and fellow Community of Leaders member, Dr. Bill Wong. For those of you new to OT Leadership Live, welcome. And for those of you who have participated in our past episodes, welcome back. We have a very special episode planned for you this evening as we welcome the secretary candidates for the 2019 AOTA elections, Ms. Melissa J. Tilton and Ms. Susan B. Tucker. This podcast will function as more of a panel discussion as opposed to a traditional debate. Each candidate will have approximately four minutes to answer each question. We hope that our discussion today provides you with inspiration to engage in the elections process and knowledge to inform your vote for the next AOTA board secretary. The AOTA online voting window will be open from January 9th through the 30th. Before we dive into tonight's episode, Bill will will now review some housekeeping items in order to ensure our call runs as smoothly as possible. If you are on your phone and you haven't done so already, please press mute. If you are on your computer, please mute your microphone in order to minimize the static and feedback that that can occur during the recording. Only the person currently speaking should have their device unmuted at that time. If you are on a talk show website, you will notice that there is a chat room available. Please feel free to type any questions or comments throughout the episode, and we will address those along the way or at the end of the episode during the Q&A session. If you are not by a computer or and are joining us by your phone, you can always live tweet with us using the hashtag OTLeadershipLive. For those of you who may have to leave early, or if you know of anyone who wasn't available to participate during this live recording this evening, we are recording this episode and will be posting a link to the recording on AOTA's new online community, CommuneOT, which can be easily accessed by visiting www.communeot.aota.org. Before we get started, Michael will now give a brief summary of what OT Leadership Live is all about and who is putting it on. Thank you, Bill. As I mentioned earlier, my name is Michael Lopez, and I will be co-facilitating tonight's discussion with Bill Wong. I will manage our stopwatch tonight to ensure our guests respond to our questions within the allotted time, which is approximately four minutes per question. For tonight's podcast, we are joined by two distinguished guests, our candidates for AOTA Secretary, Melissa J. Tilton and Susan B. Tucker. To learn about their views and ideas for continuing to move the profession of occupational therapy forward towards Vision 2025. 
As I mentioned earlier, the AOTA online voting window will be open from January 9th through January 30th, 2019. At this time, I would like to introduce our 2019 candidates for AOTA Board Secretary. Melissa J. Tilton is an award-winning occupational therapy assistant who works in both intraprofessional and interprofessional environments, both in practice and academics. She is currently the Clinical Operations Area Director for Genesis Rehab and teaches as an adjunct faculty member at North Shore Community College's OTA program. She currently serves AOTA in various volunteer leadership roles as a member of the Board of Directors, as a mentor for the Emerging Leaders Development Program, and as a reviewer for the Approved Provider Program. She also served as both a president and vice president for the Massachusetts Association for Occupational Therapy. In 2017, Melissa was awarded the AOTA Award of Excellence. In 2016, she received the Herbert Hall Award from the Massachusetts Association for Occupational Therapy, the AOTA Roster of Honor Award in 2013, and the Outstanding OTA of the Year from the Massachusetts Association for Occupational Therapy in 2010. Melissa believes her leadership experiences within AOTA and ACOAT have afforded her the opportunity to see the small details, but also the big picture, which will support the association in moving forward. She has been provided the opportunities to understand issues from a multitude of perspectives and is committed to helping move the association and profession forward during this challenging time. Welcome, Melissa. Thank Susan you so B. much. Tucker. Great. Thank you. Susan B. Tucker is an award-winning occupational therapist passionate about continuing her service to, A to AOTA at this exhilarating time in our profession. Susan is an assistant professor and assistant dean for academic and student affairs at the University of Oklahoma's Health Sciences Center, College of Allied Health. She has served AOTA in various volunteer leadership capacities as a member of the Volunteer Leadership Development Committee, as a conference proposal reviewer, recognitions committee chair, RA representative, and member of both the recognitions and nominating committee. Susan was awarded the AOTA Roster of Fellows Award in 2015, the AOTA Service Award in 1997, 2006, 2009, and 2013, and the Oklahoma Occupational Therapy Association's OT of the Year in 1993. Susan is enthusiastic, organized, attentive to detail, creative, team-oriented, committed, and would be honored to serve as Secretary of the American Occupational Therapy Association. She believes the next three to five years are critical for the association as we use the momentum of the, of the AOTA Centennial Vision and look to the future in Vision 2025. Welcome, Susan. Very much. Thank you. And now I will direct the first question to Melissa, and then I will repeat the same question for Susan to answer afterwards. I will then direct the second question to Susan and repeat the same question for Melissa. We will continue to alternate as we move along through each question. So the first question is for Melissa. Describe how you have demonstrated servant leadership and express gratitude and appreciation in your past and or current leadership roles. Great. Thank you for the question. Can you hear me okay? 
Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you. I, I think this is a, a fantastic question and, and looking at servant leadership and, and how we all really put ourselves out there. Um, having the opportunity um, first to express gratitude in the sense of a servant leadership is the opportunity to really give back. Um, I feel like having the opportunity to be part of a community uh, here in Massachusetts, being part of the community serving as a reimbursement rep as well as state president, I had the opportunity to work alongside my peers and be able to celebrate them at different conferences, things like that. Um, but also just having the opportunity to go to the state house and being able to lobby being part of our OT Lobby Day on the Hill here in Massachusetts provided me that opportunity to serve my profession, but also the opportunity to serve and provide gratitude to my peers and colleagues who were there. Additionally, when I think about times lobbying here in Massachusetts as well as on the Hill, that opportunity to provide gratitude to those who are helping us move occupational therapy forward, being able to thank them, to say, you know, you're work that you did with us on the CAP, your work that you did here in Massachusetts to include occupational therapy assistance and different habilitation uh, rules and regs, that's an opportunity to demonstrate my gratitude. And in regards to demonstrating my servant leadership, I think being able to put yourself out there and really being able to say, okay, what is the big picture? What is our big picture of Centennial Vision? What is our big picture of Vision 2025 currently? And what am I doing as a practitioner, a person, a member of the community to be able to move us forward? And I think that comes into play when doing things such as presenting at different workshops, of course, being a volunteer leader, um, but also being able to actively bring somebody along with you. Um, that servant leadership is how we do mentoring, for example. Um, currently, I'm working um, with a great gal, Sherry, from the ASD, the Assembly of Student Delegates delegates and working with her to be able to work on her projects and being able to move her forward. And I think by mentoring her, providing her feedback, really uplifting her and, and kind of showing her the way and helping her make connections is a demonstration of the ability to be a servant leader. Um, and I think the servant leadership and the gratitude really go hand in hand. Um, I think if you are being a servant leader and you're giving, and you're making yourself part of a solution, part of moving something forward, part of making a difference, you're constantly needing to be able to show that gratitude so that you can bring more people along and people also understand and see the value in what you are doing. Um, so I think those few examples would demonstrate how I'm able to be a servant leader as well as show gratitude as a servant leader. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. And now. I will repeat the same question for Susan. Susan, please describe how you have demonstrated servant leadership and expressed gratitude and appreciation in your past and or current leadership roles. Hey, I'm happy to do so. I, I guess I just have a tremendous amount of gratitude for the profession as a gen, in general and in my educational process, just feeling like it was such a perfect fit for me as a profession and the values that I have and, and what I wanted to do in a career. And, and I think early on, one of the ways in which I, I turn that gratitude around, similar to what Melissa said, it's, it's paying back. It's, it's giving it back to something from which you feel such gratitude that sometimes you really can't express it. But 
Um, our, our local occupational therapy school um, several years ago needed an instructor to teach in management. And I, at the time, was a um, rehabilitation services manager in a local rehab hospital. Um, but the school called me because of my experience in management and asked me if I would teach the course modules to the students on management. I didn't have experience with teaching. But what I did have was a tremendous amount of gratitude for what that school had done for me and then those students and what they were going to enter into as a profession. So early on, I began to put others' needs ahead of my own, that servant leadership. So I taught that course, and I fell in love with teaching. I got really involved with our state association and did similar types of sort of patching it together and, and putting into place programs that were needed or different groups so that we could get some action going. I organized the management special interest section for my state association when managers were at a time where we needed to talk and problem solve and impact policy and do some things with the capital and our legislators. Uh, we didn't have a newsletter for our state association, so that was another thing. I can do that. I can be a servant in putting together a newsletter to keep members informed about activities in the state association. I took a stand at the treasurer because we needed someone to take that office to fill that important role for the state association. Um, and then currently, I'm a director at large for the Oklahoma Occupational Therapy Association. And these are members of the board who provide information primarily from a historical standpoint, but gather resources and um, connect information with AOTA or local organizations to benefit the state association. So I feel like that's another example of just servant leadership where I'm really trying to maximize the potential that is there by pulling together um, resources or ideas to make a positive impact. So those are some examples through my career how I think that I have um, had that vision for being a servant, for paying it back, um, and how I value that um, and that gratitude um, to the profession and what it's giving me. And so that's really um, one of the reasons why I'm considering and very interested in serving as the AOTA secretary is that, that giving it back, that paying it back to an organization for which I am so grateful. Okay, thank you, thank Susan, you. for your response. And yeah. And so the next question is directed to you, Susan, first. And the question is, how might you find optimism as an AOTA leader given the many challenges and fast pace of change occurring in the association, internal and external environments? And Bill, did you say optimism? Hello? Yes, correct. I did say well, that. Well, how did how would I find optimism despite and um, within some of those examples you gave? Yes, okay. Maybe I, I can repeat that I just want to make sure I had that right. Well, if you would, that'd be great. Do you want me to repeat it? Okay. I may speak yes, a little bit fast, would, so I will say it again. How might you find optimism as an AOTA leader given the many challenges 
and fast pace of change occurring in the association's internal and external environments. Well, I think of myself as an optimistic person. I, I tend to look at the very positive side of things and put a positive spin on most situations. And people that I know and strength finders that I do tend to say positivity is definitely one of my strengths. So I know that we have challenges. I know that there are changes um, internally. I know that there are changes in the healthcare environment that affects all of us as occupational therapy practitioners, as educators, as scientists, as students who are pursuing the profession and having questions about the challenges and the changes that they are seeing. But I think in that optimism, I would display that by um, some fact-finding. I think sometimes with, with information and facts that when we're caught in the challenges and the frustrations, that with some facts we can begin to sort out what are the pieces of positivity? What are the pieces of optimism that we can hang on to? An example of that would be Vision 2025. I mean, you saw the powerful impact that our centennial vision had for the profession, and we rallied around that. And I think Vision 2025 has that potential. Um, and so bringing forward those pieces of optimism, facts, information, perspectives, that can help people understand what is the positive side of a situation or a challenge that may appear to be negative. Um, and I just really try to seek to find the good in the situation. It might be slim, it might be tiny, and it might be only through my eyes at first in some instances, but being able to express that or show that um, and then being willing to listen. Um, it's, it's a communication um, and sharing that optimism is being able to hear um, what the challenges are, um, what the feelings are in the midst of these changes that are impacting us so strongly, and then seeking to understand um, what we can do to right the ship, to bring some positivity and optimism to that situation. So that's what I would add to that, Bill. Thank you. And now, Melissa, I'm going to repeat the same question. Okay. How might you find optimism as an AOTA leader given the many challenges and fast pace of change occurring in the association's internal and external environments? Thank you, Bill, for the question. Um, I think along with a lot of things that Susan was saying, I think ways that I would find the optimism uh, during tough times, both with internal and external um, environments, is first just looking at the people that I am working with and volunteering with. Um, I tend to be a people person, and so I do really well when there are other people around me. And, and not physically necessarily, but virtually on the phone, you know, um, exercises like this. I, I thrive on that, and I find that when there are so many people who are so dedicated to something like occupational therapy, it's, it's easy to, to fall into a pothole, but it's so much more, um, we're much more quick to come out of that pothole because we have each other. So I would find the optimism first in relying on my peers, relying on AOTA staff members, relying on other teammates that are involved in so many of the volunteer aspects of AOTA. I think some of the other ways that I would find optimism during those tough times 
is really I, I thrive on that change. I really thrive on having what might sometimes feel like too many things to do and many, many um, obstacles. For me, that, that excites me, and, and that helps me see that there are solutions. I come from a very solution-based mind. Um, I really believe that there's a challenge. Okay, let's talk about the challenge and maybe events about it, but let's also each come up with two or three different ideas. Um, so being able to have that opportunity to rise up helps me find the optimism. And then during difficult times, one of the ways that I really will lift myself back up and hopefully lift up my peers and teammates and, and, and staff at AOTA that I'm working with is when we're having all of these type of, of tough times, there's a lot of diversity of thought. There are a lot of people who become very passionate about what might be going on in their own practice area. There might be something going on globally, nationally, something around regulatory, something around education changes. And that, those tough times really bring out people's passions. And that, for me, is, is an opportunity. For them to bring out their passions and be able to share, that's when we start to find solutions. That's when we really start to find ideas. And I think that we can, we can use that excitement and that momentum to kind of snowball forward and finding solutions and being able to move through. And so when people are sharing their ideas and thoughts during tough times, it's really something that will kind of jazz me up, for lack of better words, um, having that opportunity to hear from so many people. And when I hear other people's passion, it, it can't help but do anything other than excite me and make me happy. Um, I think, lastly, the way to really keep that optimism going during tough times is to identify those successes and, and share them and articulate them, and sometimes over and over. Um, you know, resharing the successes. I know that um, recently we um, had something on Community that talked about all of the different positive news stories about occupational therapy. And I believe there are over 300 of those news stories that were in very large areas that had over 5 million viewers. When we're having tough times, we have to go back to those successes and say, okay, this is tough, but let's look at what we did last week. And let's use that momentum and let's use the diversity of thought and ideas and let's keep moving us forward. And doing that together in an interprofessional manner will really help keep me excited and I think keep others excited and positive as well. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Thank so you. Both. I guess Michael is going to be on the next question. Yeah. Yes. I will direct the next question to Melissa. Our third question is, okay. in your opinion, what quality of wise leadership carries the most weight and explain why? And I can certainly can you repeat, repeat it the first part, Michael? Sorry. Yep, I didn't miss the first part. No problem. In your opinion, what quality of wise leadership carries the most weight and explain why? Sure. Thank you for that question. Um, I think when we think about the quality of leaders and what might be, be hefty um, or carry the most weight, um, one of the things that comes to my mind is tenacity. Um, and I kind of lump tenacity with grit. And I think that tenacity, the reason that that is such a, a wise leadership quality is that's really what helps us keep pushing forward. You know, I spoke a moment ago about being solutions-based. And, and tenacity gives us drive, and it gives us purpose, and it also gives us that ability sometimes to dig our heels in and say, we're going to push through this. We're going to push through the tough times. We're going to push through the difficulties if we are 
you know, making modifications to bylaws. You know, we're going to push through the conversations around um, the educational changes. We are going to push through and have that forethought to be able to keep moving and looking forward. I think that tenacity in my everyday work as well as my current and past volunteer work allows me to be driven. It allows me to have a purpose and meaning in what I'm doing, um, but it, it forces me to be resourceful as well. Um, and when I think somebody has tenacity and grit, it's that inability to quit. Um, it doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes and that you know errors don't happen, but we move forward from them and we're able to say, hey, there was an error, or hey, I wish I had done this differently, but I'm moving forward. And so it's, it's that ability to keep plugging away, plugging away through the good and the not so good at times, um, all while being able to keep that, that meaningful, what are we going to do? What is that ultimate goal? You know, what is that vision 2025? What are our pillars that we're working towards? So having that ability to just be very mindful and focused and driven and having the tenacity and grit to keep pushing through and every time you push through, you learn a little bit more, and that builds up your capacity to, to move and have the grit to do it again. Um, I think that tenacity and grit also help us get through stuff that maybe isn't as exciting at times. Um, maybe it's something that others perceive as, you know, not as exciting or a little bit boring, but that tenacity and grit reminds us that there's purpose in what we're doing and that we're wanting to be able to move forward. So I would say, Michael, that it would be for me tenacity and grit um, are one of the top qualities of a wise leader. Thank you. And thank you, Melissa. I will repeat the same question for Susan. In your opinion, what quality of wise leadership carries the most weight and explain why? Okay, well, I love the tenacity and grit. I mean, that's obviously a wonderful um, leadership quality. I think, my opinion, I would say a positivity in a attitude. Um, and through that being a positive, consistent, present leader um, who is taking responsibility, that um, is very aware of the surroundings that they're in, appreciative of the people that are in that environment and um, in the situation with them. So that positivity in an attitude, a presence um, with lots of activity and energy, um, ability to inspire, um, ability to listen and respond to individuals. So a, a character presence through a positive attitude um, is one leadership quality that I think would carry a lot of weight, does carry a lot of weight in situations. So that leader that, that we can count on, they are going to be present, they are going to be consistent, they are going to be um, authentic, they're going to be responsible, they're going to carry some energy, they're going to rally with us, they're going to pick us up by our bootstraps when we need, um, and they're going to inspire um, those around them in that situation. So I think that character quality is what I would say um, would carry the most weight now, that, that physical mass, that weight of a mass, that presence in, in those qualities that I explained. But thank you for the question.
Thank you, Susan. All right. All right. So this is my turn now, and this question is to you, Susan. Hope doesn't change the failure. Sorry, let me read that question again. I read it wrong. So hope doesn't change the future, but behavior does. How do you plan to actively contribute to positive association growth and outcomes? Just make Hello, sure Susan? I got it right, Bill. Hope doesn't change the future, but behavior does. Correct. Okay. Um, thank you for these hard questions. Uh, and that's absolutely <laughs> true. Our behavior um, speaks volumes, that consistent behavior, that um, ability to look at ourselves in the mirror and see the behavior that we bring, whether that is through a, to a committee meeting, a board meeting, to our day at working with our clients or our students, um, to our research labs, uh, that behavior um, influences the future because it's, it's that behavior that is mirrored um, in exhibiting those, those core values that we exhibit in the profession um, that does influence the future. And that's you know, kindness and courage and being respectful of others and those, those habits that we have um, that are noticeable by others when we really don't say much. Um, so sure, we have hope about the future, but um, it's, it's our behaviors and then with those behaviors, the actions that we take in influencing the future. And so that could be through our vision statements, that could be through our structure, organizational structure, that could be through committees that we have, that could be through task forces that we organize, that could be through conversations that happen in, in small groups that are accomplishing great things for the bigger good. So those are the ways that I think behavior speaks volumes and certainly is louder and stronger than our words necessarily our feelings but that our actions tied to that behavior certainly does influence the future and I see myself as an energetic positive person that is certainly a team player I'm willing to do the work get get down um, and dirty and do what needs to be done to accomplish the goal at hand. And so it's, it's that behavior of willing to work side by side, um, seeking to understand the other person in kindness, and then being courageous to move forward to a future that we all see and we all aspire to for our futures in the profession, but for the next 100 years as well, to influence that in such a positive way um, for those that are that are pursuing the profession right behind us. And thank you, Susan. I don't mean to now, Melissa. Project. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Bill. I just wanted to make sure that no, Susan, go for it. Um, understood the second part of that question. So the second part of that question is, how do you plan to actively contribute to positive association growth and outcomes? You did a fabulous job. I just want to make sure you uh, heard the second part of that question. No, I, I did not hear that. I did not yes. hear that part. And you, oh, I, you, I, uh, I, that was my bad. 
No problem. You have about two minutes to answer the second part. Okay. How? And repeat it quickly, Michael, please. Sure. No. No problem. So. The full question is, hope doesn't change the future, but behavior does. How do you plan to actively contribute to positive association growth and outcomes? I plan to contribute to that positive. Okay. Um, Through my own positive attitude and my own positivity about life, about the future of this profession, And so that will be certainly through my actions. That can be through tasks that um, I'm certainly willing to do um, through teams, um, if we're going to work in teams. So my influence and positivity is, is through my view of life, really. I myself am a positive person. Um, not to say that I can't understand um, the challenges that others have, and I certainly will hear those perspectives. I've been in those situations where it doesn't feel very hopeful, but if you can find some glimmer of positivity, like Melissa was saying, what are those positive stories? Or let's think about why we wanted to be occupational therapy practitioners in the first place. There's so much positivity and hope in that. Um, and that's how I would influence the, the positivity is by um, having an open mind, being open to others, having a perspective that is um, open to hearing those differing opinions, and then um, trying to find the positivity. What are the wins instead of focusing on the losses or the negatives? So thank you for that, and I apologize that I didn't pick up that part of the question. No, not a problem. No problem. Thank you so much, so Susan. I get, no problem. Yeah, so Melissa, now it's my turn to yeah. ask the same question. Hope doesn't change the future, but behavior does. How do you plan to actively contribute to positive, positive association growth and outcomes? Thanks, Bill. Thanks for the question. And um, I think so many things uh, line up, you know, with what Susan was saying. But when I think about um, really being able to positively impact the association, you know, one thing that comes to mind so quickly for me is membership. Um, You know, we've, we've had fantastic years of membership. We've had amazing growth in our student membership. But there's always more that we can do. And I think having an opportunity to connect with the members and members of all different levels, whether it be new grads, students, occupational therapists, occupational therapy assistants, folks who are in the middle parts of their career, every person of that group, all of those spokes of the wheel, if you will, all have something that is meaningful for them to be a member of AOTA. And there are also things that they're feeling like, hey, I think we could be doing something better. So for me, having that outreach and that opportunity to connect with those members and being able to hear what they have to say Um, And and for me, it's very important to close the loop on that, to be able to hear what they have to say, to take their ideas, really, really encourage them to have solutions. We're having another CONFAB this year at conference where it's a solutions-based design thinking event where people come with ideas. And we take those ideas, and I want to have this outreach with members, bring it back to the board, bring it back to the, the AOTA staff and teammates, share and hear what some ideas are, and then circle back with those same members. And we can do that through you know, face-to-face when possible, virtual. Um, community is a huge opportunity. 
We have a lot of different um, Twitter activities that we can do. So that would be one of the first ways that I would hopefully positively impact um, the association and their goals is by helping grow membership and also having those members feel heard. With that is also those non-members. And it's really important to figure out, you know, why did that person let their membership lapse? Or why have they not ever been a member? And again, hearing from them, hearing those ideas, taking it back to the work that we need to do, and closing that loop and circling back with them. I think another way that um, I can positively impact um, the activity for the association is really being actively engaged on community, really using that as AOTA is our professional home and having people understand how to use community and really being responsive to them. Um, if I provide a training, provide a listening ear, and being able to help them with their own advocacy of what is going on in that state. Um, and, and I think we can also do that through a lot of virtual activities if we can't be there in person, which I know can be difficult for a lot of people. But that would be another way that I would behavior to positively influence the association. And one of the other things that came to my mind is really living the Vision 2025. Um, I, I really believe that it's a roadmap and it's really how we all are moving forward and it guides us in the things that we're doing. And so reflecting back upon the Vision 2025, anytime we're having these type of activities, we're doing something on community, if we're doing an advocacy project, going back and linking it back to one of the pillars or perhaps linking it back to a strategy. And I think, Michael, that might be the bell. Um, so I will wrap up um, in, in regards to this question. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. And now I will direct the fifth question to Melissa. Okay. What do you anticipate might be a challenge for the association that you will handle as an officer of the board? Describe your approach to navigating this and any other potential challenges you may face. Sure, thank you for that question. Um, um, yeah, if you don't mind, that would be great, Michael. Thank you. Sure, certainly. So what do you anticipate might be a challenge for the association that you will handle as an officer of the board? Describe your approach to navigating this and any other potential challenges you may face. Thank you. I think that, you know, as we're moving forward in the next three to five years, we do have some hot ticket items um, that are going on. And, you know, one of the items that I think about is our challenge as we move forward with moving the RA forward and how we're uh, addressing um, the areas of entry-level practice. Um, I think this is a hot-button item that a lot of people 
have lots of ideas on, and everyone is constantly learning and gathering information. And I think this challenge will be to be able to hear what everyone is saying, process their ideas, their thoughts, bring it back. Um, as we continue to build our partnership with ACOAT, um, this is going to be really, really important. And I think one of the challenges will be is to be transparent and to also think about um, everyone's perception is their reality. And I need to be prepared to, to answer to them. And, and maybe people will not like the answer. You know, it doesn't matter what side they sit on. But I think that's going to be one of the challenges is how do we communicate and how do we be transparent and share what we are doing um, while being able to continue to move forward and not you know, become bogged down. And that's with any type of issue that we might be going through. So some of the approaches that I would take, Michael, would be to first have a collaborative approach. Really being able to say, these are all of the people that are working on this project. And you know, being able to say, while we would love to have everyone, we always can't have everyone. So we're trying our best to make sure that we have identified an inclusive group with a lot of diversity of thought that covers all of the different practice areas. And so as we take that collaborative approach and we're being tra very transparent about it, I think then we need to be able to bring the information back to our members. And that's that transparency piece again. And I think when you're transparent and you're collaborative and you're going through a really tough process, people are more apt to take a step back and catch their breath and be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm getting all the information that they have. And they're hearing all the information that I have as well as all the other people. And that really will help us identify ways to move forward and ways to communicate things. And sometimes it's really about the communication process and not necessarily the situation on hand. It's, it's how do we communicate? How do we demonstrate that collaborative approach to things? Um, and I think that works really well in all of our work. The other part to this, I think, is ensuring that we're having that intra-professional collaboration on all things, you know, being sure, ensuring that we're being inclusive of occupational therapists and occupational therapy assistants in all of the things that we do. And while I believe 100% of the time we do that, I'm not sure that we're always the best at saying that we're doing that. And so I think in that collaboration and that transparency in something like the educational standards or, or a variety of other issues, making sure that we're stating it and we're reassuring our members that we are coming to this from a collaborative, transparent, and intra-professional approach will really help to ease a lot of people's nerves. Um, and, and it will also help us, I believe, gain the trust that we need of our members. And that trust will help us develop um, people that will share ideas and people who have solutions. And again, that being that solutions-based person, that's going to help us move forward in these different tough times in regards to education, we could apply it to issues of burnout. We could apply it to issues of you know, productivity, changes in reimbursement. We really could apply it to a lot of things. But the education one really stands out for me, Michael. And I, I believe that coming at it again from a collaborative, transparent, and intra-professional approach that really looks at all people sharing all ideas and always circling back and closing that loop would be best. Thanks, Michael. Thank you, Melissa. I will now repeat the same question for Susan. What do you anticipate might be a challenge for the association that you will handle as an officer of the board? Describe your approach to navigating this and any other potential challenges you may face. 
All right, thank you again for another hard question, but um, so important to ask these questions and think about them. And um, I certainly understand um, Melissa's um, perspective and the, the question that she, or the situation uh, that she raised that would be a challenge. I would also like to add, um, might be a challenge to AOTA, is responsiveness to the members, and particularly as the, the world in which we communicate and how we communicate is changing and evolving through social media um, and the ways in which we connect with individuals. And I think at some point it will become challenging perhaps to AOTA to figure out how are we going to um, continue our excellent social media activity, and we have a wonderful resources at AOTA that are very active in keeping up with the changes and how responsive individuals and our members want to be so that we can retain those members and then gain new members and, and the new students that are graduating, then what are their needs in terms of their social media connectedness? And um, in that, so then that challenge is responsive to members. Um, in one of my posts on um, Connect OT, um, Commune OT, I um, talked about um, text messaging as a possibility, um, that people are so responsive to text messages now, and that might be something that um, as the board we want to explore. What, what are the pros? What are the cons? What are the limitations? Um, what's the next way in which we could be responsive to members in terms of keeping them informed and hearing what their um, needs are from the association and helping them really feel anchored to AOTA as their OT home for resources and information. Um, so thinking about that responsiveness to members so that we are effective um, and that we are guiding them towards that Vision 2025 through social media connectedness. An idea that I had as well, because I realized that there is a budget, a cost with some of these these ideas that will be advancing in social media and the way in which people want to feel connected um, is a need for funding. And so I just had an idea of a project 2025, and so that um, for a donation of $20.25, it would go towards and be earmarked towards funds that support Vision 2025, and maybe there's some aspects of that that we could tie to social media or other ways in which we can truly be responsive to members so that they feel like we're accessible um, and then certainly that we're collaborative and that we're hearing what those needs are and are responding to them so that um, they feel like that is being heard and, and being met. And as far as navigating other challenges, it would be very similar in that collaborative way um, and hearing what the, the struggles are, what the challenges are, and working towards solutions, offering ideas, brainstorming ideas. Um, we have a lot of smart people in this profession. We have a lot of amazing leaders in this profession and executives in the profession. So getting those ideas together and squeezing out what are the solutions? What are ways in which we can go at um, overcoming this challenge and, and going through some change to get to um, where we want to be in terms of our vision for the future? So thank you for the question.
Thank you, Susan. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Susan. So I'm going to be off with the last question, and this question is directed to you, Susan. So, what added value will you offer AOTA and its members as secretary of the board? The added value. One thing is you I live to... in Oklahoma. I feel like I'm... Pardon me. No. Do you want me to repeat it? <laughs> Oh, no. I, well, sure. Go ahead. What added value will you offer AOTA and its members as Secretary of the Board? Thank you, Bill. I want the added value is I live in Oklahoma. I'm practically in the middle of the United States. And so I just feel like I'm kind of like in the middle of lots of occupational therapists. Um, and, and a way in which I can gather lots of information. And that was one thing I really treasured about being on the representative assembly was seeking information from my constituents, which were AOTA members in my state of Oklahoma, and, and taking those ideas and those voices and those perspectives to the RA meetings. And that was so valuable then to sit in that room with all of the other representatives who were doing the same thing. So we really had our finger on the pulse and the voice of what our AOTA members wanted, what they heard, what their dreams, what their desires, what their concerns were. Um, and, and so similarly, I think an added value that I would have as secretary is, is that perspective of, of location of where I am. Um, and the other thing is just some experience um, from that representative assembly and that ability to look to other people for their perspective um, in thinking about that collaborative approach, that teamwork. Um, I enjoy working on teams. Um, and as far as the, the functions of the secretary, I think I'm a good fit for these functions. Um, I like to take minutes. I like ethics. I like the bylaws. Um, I, would like to serve on the fund to promote awareness of OT. Um, I'm a good caretaker of documents, and I'm very organized. In, in the introduction, Michael um, read some of the, the qualities that I stated in my letter of interest in the position. So I certainly would carry those um, with me in my office um, as Secretary of the American Occupational Therapy Association. Um, so those are the things that I believe I would bring as added value um, in my ability to carry out the function and the duties with enthusiasm and great pride um, as the Secretary of AOTA. Thank you, Susan. So now, Melissa, I'm going to repeat the same question. Okay. What added value will you offer AOTA and its members as Secretary of the Board? Thanks, Bill, for that question. Um, I, I think that I've been in a really unique position, and that unique position will allow me to add that value um, to AOTA and its members um, and the opportunity to serve as secretary. I've been able to be a, a volunteer and a volunteer leader in many of the different aspects of our occupational therapy profession. Currently sitting on the board, I had the opportunity to serve on CCCPD and help write some of the documents. 
Um, I've been an approved provider reviewer. Um, I've been able to have um, mentors through the ELDP and, and the Assembly of Student Delegates, um, you know, serving on ACOAT and as treasurer of ACO. All of those things have allowed me to see many of these different buckets that are, are, are within AOTA itself or within um, some of those um, advisory committees that we have. And so by having that opportunity, it helps me see a, a wider lens. I have an understanding of what each of those roles require. So when we're looking for you know, gathering new members and new people to be activated and to want to volunteer, I have some perspective of what that role takes. Um, and I think that allows me to be able to share with a, a possible member to say, you know, you would be a great fit for the approved provider. Um, I recently worked with um, a, a gal named Sam, you know, and talked with her about it. And she's now an approved provider reviewer. But I'm able to share a little bit of, you know, what was tough for me? What was easy for me? How might I change, you know, my work-life balance to be able to volunteer? So I think that having the opportunity to serve in so many of those uh, roles allowed me to have an understanding so as we gain new members, I can help them feel confident. I can set them up with a mentor or a buddy so that they feel good about taking on something and that they haven't bit off more than they can chew. Um, I think also uh, another um, value that I bring is my experience serving as state president for two terms um, in a state during that time when we had changes here in Massachusetts, and then we were also going through the laws, of course, in D.C., those law changes. So having the, the opportunity to understand bylaws and understanding the, the why behind it and then being able to share that why with the other members. Um, you know, before I became involved, I never really understood what bylaws were. They didn't have a lot of value to me as an everyday practitioner. But I now have an understanding of why we have bylaws, policies, and procedures and why they're so important. So I think that my experiences in having to work with our team here in Massachusetts to rewrite ours to meet the changes, um, and then to be able to explain to all of our team, uh, team being the members, about why are we making these changes and what does it mean and how do we use bylaws and policies and procedures to move forward is really important and that will help in the role of Secretary of AOTA. Um, and, and then I think a final piece of bill for me that I think is of added value is really having a, a great experience in being a mentor which helps me grow and helps me be a better person but it always gives me an opportunity to bring somebody along and help that next person who wants to present at conference, wants to volunteer at conference, wants to be part of something, wants to volunteer, wants to change their job, whatever it might be, when we have these mentoring circles and these partnerships um, with occupational therapists and occupational therapy assistants, we're constantly moving membership forward and we're constantly looking at the succession planning to make sure that there's going to be somebody else there who can fill our shoes, because I think that's a big piece of it. We need to do the work and have the grit and tenacity to move forward, all while making sure we have the next person who's ready and wanting to step up. Um, and, and through my experiences uh, with my mentoring circles, we've been able to do that. Um, and then those people have been able to pay it forward as well. So now you've got three or four other people who are activated and engaged members who are also willing to step up but they're also uh, fulfilling some of their professional goals and having these new opportunities. So I think those three things in regards to all of my volunteer opportunities nationally, here with my state in regards to bylaws and policy and procedure and then mentoring are all things that would really serve well and would be very helpful in the role of secretary at AOTA. 
Um, and, and I think they will help us move forward um, in an interprofessional, collaborative manner that really helps to activate our membership and keeps AOTA working towards Vision 2025 and moving beyond that as well. Thanks, Bill. Thank you, Melissa and Susan, for your responses. At this time, I would like to conclude our discussion for this evening. Thank you very much to our 2019 candidates for AOTA Secretary, Melissa Tilton and Susan Tucker. You both have given us a lot to think about and shared a lot of valuable information that we can use to inform our vote on January 9th. We know you are both incredibly busy professionals, so on behalf of myself and the Community of Leaders group, I want to thank you both for your time tonight and for all that you do for our profession every day. To our listeners, you can learn more about the 2019 election candidates through the resources available from AOTA. Read election bios, print a sample ballot, and mark the ballot with your choices so you are ready to cast your vote when the voting site opens on January 9th. You can also join the 2019 Elections Forum discussion on CommuneOT. AOTA supports transparency of its election process and hopes to provide members with methods for direct engagement with the candidates. AOTA values its volunteer leaders and members as we support the profession's progress towards Vision 2025. Vote and let your OT voices be heard. The AOTA online voting window will be open from January 9th through January 30th, 2019. Thank you all for joining us this evening, and we'll see you next time. Have a great night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.